You're listening to a sermon from Emmaus City Church, located in Worcester, Massachusetts. We seek to walk in union with Jesus and share his good news with our community. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within, within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foe taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. (sighs) Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus in the flesh, that he took on flesh, that he knows these cries, that he knows our cries. We also thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that is here within us and among us. So I just pray that as Mike comes to unpack this word with us, that you would speak through Mike, that you would use him to be your mouthpiece. I pray that everything that is not from you would fall away and that we would have open hearts and open ears to hear your word. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So what was the first thing you thought about today? When you woke up, Maybe from a restful night or maybe from a fitful night. Maybe from a day before where you had a lot of food or maybe from a day before where you didn't have much. And uh, where did your mind go? What did your body say it needed? 
Where was the cry? See, there's so many different ways that we're discovering in the Psalms that we can sing to God, that we can express our need for God. And yet here in this Psalm, not one by David, not one by Solomon, we considered Psalms like that. This is a Psalm from the sons of Korah. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And so it's a consideration. What are you thirsting for right now? What are you thirsting for today that you think will satisfy? And again, maybe your need right now is more emotional. Maybe your need right now is more physical. But there's a need and there's a cry. And there's a question of, is this song telling me the truth? Is this prayer leading me that actually in the midst of all the ways that I can need, ultimately our deepest need, our greatest need of our soul is because we are panting for God himself. That we need his restoration, that we need his reconciliation. Songs have a way of reminding us of our need in ways that break through the moment. And in light of coming to the end of Black History Month, I wanted to turn our attention again to Martin Luther King Jr., who had a desperate need for God in order to walk out the civil rights movement. All the women and men that walked with him also had a desperate need. And in fact, in Ava DuVernay's film Selma, NPR, when the film came out a few years ago, said that Selma had an incredibly deep recognition of seeing how private encounters inform and even shape historic events. There are private encounters between a few people that can inform and even shape historic events. And one of Selma's most powerful moments that NPR recognized was seeming a secret or crucial reassurance that was given to Martin Luther King Jr. See, afraid of what Selma held for him, King made a late night call to his friend and fellow freedom fighter, Mahalia Jackson. His soul was thirsting for God to be present in this moment in which physical and mental and emotional pain seemed inevitable. And he reached out to Mahalia and asked her to share the Lord's voice with him. And King's favorite gospel song was, Take My Hand, Precious Lord. We don't know if this moment happened exactly like that. We do know that right before King was killed in Memphis... They asked his friend, Ben Branch, to play this song on the saxophone. We know that Jackson sang it at his funeral, that Aretha sang it at his memorial. And in light of the words, precious Lord, take my hand. How much joy was filled with King when he saw Jesus in heaven and was able to touch what he had hoped for. That the nail scarred hands were not only a vision anymore, but he could feel the one that had suffered for him, that he trusted he could suffer with on this journey. A private encounter that shapes and informs historic events. And that's what I want to invite you all into this afternoon is in the midst of the Psalm 42, in the midst of word of God, is this a private encounter right now that we can have with God in the midst of the service that can not only inform us, but inform how we live in Worcester, that can inform how we go about desiring to see others encounter Jesus.
Because this psalm seems so private, right? This psalm seems like something somebody would journal about, that would wonder about. Hey, buddy, are you okay? Okay, cool. (laughs) And it was a psalm that seemed so private, and yet it was given forth publicly to shape Israel. And it was preserved so that it would shape even our history today. That has been preserved through times of slavery and freedom, through times of depression and delight, through even death and resurrection. So that in the midst of our doubting today, it would invite us to have faith. It's a psalm that only has 11 verses, and yet there's a lot of repetition in this psalm. Verses 3 and 10 beg the question, where is your God? What rules your life? When you get thirsty, what do you turn to? What's your first instinct? The questions in verses 5 and 11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed in me? Good questions, questions that are real, questions that are human, questions that invite us into places that Scripture is not distant from us, God's ear is not distant from us, that we can ask these questions and be heard. But then there are two extremes we could go to in asking questions like that. In fact, Henry Nouwen spoke of these extremes. He said we can either be completely absorbed in our pain Or we can be distracted by so many things that we stay far away from the wound that we need to be healed. We can either move to two extremes. We can be completely absorbed in our pain and not ask the question. Or we could be distracted by so many things and so many different possibilities of filling our thirst that we stay far away from the wound that we need to be healed. So in the midst of your thirst, are you absorbed in your pain? Or are you distracted in trying to avoid your pain by going to a lot of different reservoirs and a lot of different fountains? As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. When Martin Luther King was in that moment of pain in which he could have avoided what seemingly needed to happen in Selma... The cry was for, take my hand, precious Lord. That there would be a precious Lord that would lead him where he needed to go and lead others where they needed to go. Similar to the Israelites out of Egypt into an exodus into freedom, similar to us today in the places where we are enslaved. Some of those things can be material. They could be drink or food. Some of them could be emotional like unforgiveness or bitterness. My soul first for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? The reminder of us this afternoon in Mayas City Church is to say, look to Jesus, there is your God. He's not a high priest who doesn't understand. He's one who does understand. And he's come to meet us exactly where we're at. 
Kathleen Norris was a writer who grew up and said, well, when people say, where's your God? I would rather say, there is no God. But then somehow she was brought back to a journey of faith. And in interacting with monks at a Benedictine monastery, an oblate, in ministering to her, smiled as Kathleen said, well, if God is foolish enough to take me as I am, I guess I better do it. (laughs) God is willing to take you as you are. And the questions of where is your God? Where is my God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed in me? Jesus senses that disturbance and comes. When the repetition has been, my tears have been my food day and night in verse 3, isn't it beautiful that day and night is mentioned again in verse 8? And what is said about day and night? By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. That your tears can be a prayer and they're not dismissed. I finished a book this week called Coming Clean by a man named Seth Haynes. Who, when he found out his youngest son was seemingly wasting away, that his body's percentile was at the lowest end, that he could see his ribs and the doctors couldn't figure out why he couldn't hold on to nutrition, Seth turned to alcohol. He turned to gin, he turned to wine. But this book is a journal of starting with his first day of not only admitting his alcoholism, but inviting others into it. What was that journey like when he thirsted for the gin more for God? What was that journey like when he was afraid to ask God to heal his son because of his pain in his own story, as well as a wonder, does God even do things like this? And I love how Seth says this about the tears have been my food day and night. And yet wrestling, by day the Lord directs his love, and night his song is with me. Seth says, God is deconstructing every structure I ever created to keep him out, including that drink. See, sometimes God has to lead us into the thirst of him so we let go of all the things we've been drinking from. Sometimes God has to lead us into those desert spaces and we need to endure that night so we actually hear this song because we've been listening to too many other tunes. God is deconstructing every structure I ever created to keep him out. I can go into the pain with the bonded love of an ever-biting God. Can you go into the pain with a bonded love with an ever-abiding God? What Seth proclaims in his book is I can walk into the cave of the soul and experience the death of the death whisperers. Some of us need to go into that cave this afternoon and hear the death of the death whisperers. The ones that have been saying, where is your God? The ones that say, stay downcast. The ones that say there is no resurrection. The ones that say, keep that grace, don't give it to anybody else. The ones that say, reconciliation isn't possible. The ones that say, you've been forgiven, but is that forgiveness powerful enough where you can display that to others? We just pray it again, and it is that potent moment in the prayer. Forgive us, Lord, of our trespasses as we've forgiven those who trespass 
pass against us. Is the grace that powerful that we truly sing about and preach about and listen to and sit in silence? Is it that good? I read another story today that, again, shocked me. The Visky family was a husband, Ferenc, and a wife, Julia, who had seven children. And in 1956, during the very brief Hungarian Revolution, they were all imprisoned. See, Ferenc was a pastor. And Soviet communism came to not only shut down the Hungarian Revolution, but to put them in a Romanian labor camp. And the memoir of the Visky story is called The Foolishness of God. This family suffered under the routine anguish of imprisonment in the communist realm. And the way Ferenc speaks of overcoming is the only way you can overcome the madness of the world, which I think is really expressed again, where is your God? The only way you can overcome the madness of the world, Ferenc says, is by the foolishness of God. That in the darkness, God brought laughter. That when Ferenc didn't know where his wife Julia was, where his children were, that even in that space where he could not see, when he didn't know when his torturers would come, when he lived in that imprisonment, in the midst of being this reformed pastor, he cried out, And God met him with laughter. Amen. And again, not to say that verses 9 and 10 weren't moments that Ferenc most likely experienced. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by enemy, by moans, suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? If Jesus is Emmanuel... Verses 9 and 10 show us that God understands that too. Jesus was oppressed by the enemy. Jesus' bones suffered mortal agony. Jesus' foes taunted him, saying, If this, why are you still hanging from that cross? But the response to this again, the response of Maya City that we need to give to each other as we continue to walk forward, as we continue to live as Jesus' church in Worcester, as we continue to reconcile with each other, to forgive each other, to listen to each other, to proclaim the gospel to each other is verses 5 and 11. Put your hope in God. Don't put your hope in me. Don't put your hope in getting past your pain on your own or not encountering pain again. Put your hope in the only one that can satisfy that thirst. For what? For we will yet praise Him, our Savior and our God. Our songs of hope against the death whisperers for each other today have been what we heard in the land of the rising sun. I'm just a rebel who's tired of fighting, so I'm laying down these arms. 
I'm tired of fighting against God. I'm keeping tired of keeping arm's length distance from other people. Why? Because this kingdom, Father, let your kingdom come, is one where the works of my hands can bring joy. Your kingdom, God, is where the words of my mouth can speak peace. Because you make all things new in places we don't choose. We're going to introduce a new song today called Living Hope. Lyrics there are going to say, In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. It's the name that Ferenc said from his cell. It's the one that Seth said in trying to detox. It's the one that Kathleen called out to and believed. It's the one that Martin Luther King and Mahalia Jackson understood as the only one that could lead them in this way. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Paul writes to Titus that that God and Savior that the psalmist is singing about, that we're singing about in Psalm 42 and listening to, that Savior, that God is Jesus Christ, our living hope. Jesus said himself to fulfill these words in the psalm in John 4, 14, drink from the water I give and never get thirsty again. Become a well of water springing up for eternal life. He also said in John 7, 37 through 38, which we read at the beginning of the service, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me. How powerful, how potent, how dynamic that Jesus would step into where God had been recognized as scripture to go through for your thirst. And Jesus is saying, I am the representation of that God by which your thirst can be satisfied. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And how crazy that he said that on the Feast of Tabernacles when the Israelites were recognizing how God led them through the desert and brought them to the rock that bring forth water. And of course, the answer is a communal one. Isn't it interesting how in verse 2, when our souls thirst for God, the living God, the psalmist says, where can I go and meet with God? In verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God. We need each other. Eugene Peterson said, no Christian is an only child. We pray the psalms as a family of God. We sing the psalms over each other as a family of God. We give the words of God in the psalms to each other because we need to hear it from each other. And this is where I'm going to close because when the New Testament comes along and it brings again where we often go to escape, where we go to avoid or where we go to be distracted, isn't it interesting how in the letter to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, it says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the spirit. But again, this is all one sentence. So listen to this whole thing. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. That's all one sentence. 
where it comes with not getting drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit ends with submitting to one another out of awe and fear of God in Jesus Christ. Where we're going to get filled, church, the Old Testament and the New Testament, it says getting together with the house of God. That's where the Spirit's ready to fill us up. That He's coming when we sing those psalms and those hymns over each other in the midst of submitting to each other out of Christ. That I need to hear the gospel from you. I need to be reminded of the gospel from you. I need to be brought to a place of humility again from you. But the question becomes, what if submitting to one another in awe of Jesus when we want to avoid or we want to be distracted is when where the Spirit really will fill us. When we're not listening to our voice anymore, when we're not trying to run to other voices that sound like ours, but we say, please speak the gospel to me. Thomas Merton said, the Psalms voice the love song on earth in preparation for heaven. Psalm 42 voices the thirst we have that Jesus said only he can satisfy and he wants us to remind each other of that. He went thirsty for us on the cross. John 19, 29, what did Jesus say? I thirst. So we don't have to. So we could be filled with the spirit that he sent from the throne. Will we go to him today and sing, take our hands, precious Lord. We need an encounter with you that will not only shape today, but our entire history. Emmaus City Church, everyone here, put your hope in Jesus and praise him. He is your Savior and your God. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. If you don't have a church family yet, we encourage you to find a community near you or join us for worship if you're near Worcester. For more information, go to JesusLovesWorcester.com or email us at info at EmmausCityChurch.com. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.